0: We have to go back! Hello everyone, welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And
1: welcome to Season 5! We made it. We We really did. Wow. Which means we've been doing this for four years, because that's how birthdays and anniversaries Mm -hmm. work. But Mm -hmm. yeah, Season 5 is here. Absolutely. And
0: we thought, what better way to kick off season five than with the 35 year anniversary of Ghostbusters? So, Ghostbusters is the 1984 movie that is a fantasy comedy. Kind of action film that is directed by Ivan Reitman of Stripes and Animal House fame and written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. Uh, it stars Bill Murray, uh, Aykroyd and Ramis, as respectively Peter Vinkman, Raymond Stantz and Egon Spengler, a trio of eccentric parapsychologists who... Start a ghost-catching business in New York City. Uh, They also have Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis, uh, Ernie Hudson, Annie Potts, and William Atherton. I see. I was so close to getting everyone's name right. (laughs) Uh, And the whole movie is basically about what if, you know, we discovered that ghosts were real and someone had a Shark Tank pitch on what if we could catch these ghosts? Mm -hmm. And then... The story unfolds. But originally, this movie uh, was not called Ghostbusters. It dates back to 1981 as the idea that Dan Aykroyd had called Ghost Smashers. Mm. Uh, And it was set in the distant future uh, where heroes operated out of a converted uh, gas station and faced spectral threats, uh, including a skeletal biker who terrorized a small town. Uh, They also travel through time uh, and an alternate dimensions. And that was the first pitch that was given to Ivan Reitman. And he looked at that and he said, uh, are you a madman? And he said, yes. Uh, so <laughs> um, and originally this was uh, slated as a vehicle for uh, John Belushi. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was going to be Danny Aykroyd and John Belushi. But after his passing, um, the the whole concept for the movie just kind of like went shelved for a couple of years uh but then um in 1983 with an updated outline um a group of men acting much like firefighters who would trap and catch ghosts as part of the new protective emergency service for the universe at large uh they focused on that and that's kind of the idea that we had with the new ghostbusters they pitched this movie to the studios and the studio said that's great That works out great. We have a slot available next year. So make us a movie in a year. Wow. And so they were given $25 million with a very loosely written script. Um, And then we got Ghostbusters hitting theaters in 1984. With the budget of $25 million, they made over $295
1: million in the box office. Oh my goodness. And a classic for for decades, which you really can't put a price on. But I guess that would be the price. You can't,
0: but it helps because, I mean, this movie grew into a franchise Mm -hmm. um, after the movie was released, the 1986 cartoon, The Real Ghostbusters. So... At the time of Ghostbusters originally being released, the movie, uh, there is actually already a children's TV show called The Ghostbusters.
1: Oh, so they had to Twitter handle it and yes. become verified. We are yes. the real Ghostbusters. That's exactly what they did. No further explanation needed.
0: Uh, and so the then um, they count with a cartoon show and to. To further differentiate themselves from that, they call themselves the real Ghostbusters. They even went a step further to make the cartoon characters not look like their movie counterparts
1: Mm -hmm. to not have to pay likeness. I wondered about that because I always was curious why Egon was blonde in the cartoon. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: it was all
1: so that they could
0: save some money on paying like this. Uh, but and the show was super successful. It ran for seven seasons. It wow. led a Kenner toy line and even a Marvel comic book doing my headcanon for me. Um, so uh, not only that, but the successful song, uh, Ghostbusters and just everything. This has become a force to reckon with. Uh kind of the trail end of the history section of this. Uh it went on to have a sequel, Ghostbusters Two. Um in addition to that, it had another spin-off TV show called The Extreme Ghostbusters. So in Extreme Ghostbusters it followed um Spangler, um, as he's basically a college professor and he recruits this new hip young late 90s generation of Ghostbusters uh, and it was really good it was one of my favorite shows watching growing up um, and then they had the 2016 Ghostbusters soft-ish reboot um, they also had uh, in 2014 the Ghostbusters video game which Dan Aykroyd himself has said is the closest thing to a third Ghostbusters movie that we were going to get. Was hmm. uh, well, that super- Telltale?
1: You played that right?
0: i did it's, it was not telltale okay. um but you play as a new recruit and then you get to see I all see. these different things happen and you get to like
1: bust ghosts and it's super fun yeah but it was kind of like how they did the, the back to the future telltale game where it was like an additional film that you right. just played through yeah
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and recently as of This recording, they announced that there will be a Ghostbusters 2020 film that will be a sequel to the second live action Ghostbusters movie.
1: And done by Jason Reitman, the son of Ivan Reitman. So keeping it in the family. That's great, man. (sighs) That is uh,
0: that's the history. Oh, I also should note that this movie is so iconic. It made it to the most iconic media platform of all. It made its way to LaserDisc in 1989, the same year that the sequel came out.
1: Yeah. But Reitman said he wasn't super happy with the transfer because some of the effects don't really translate as well. He was like, oh, you can, like, see the matte painting that we did for those. And so some things are are best in their original form. That's
0: right. That's why I watched this um, on a theremin.
1: Um, It was very (laughs) difficult. Yeah. that joke breaks but. my brain because I can't even <laughs> picture what that could look like. Yeah. Do I have a theremin converter where it oh. converts sound to sight? <laughs> it describes what's happening on screen uh, mm-hmm. but through high-pitch uh, mm-hmm. warbles. Yeah. Yes. And you should
0: see how the Ghostbusters theme song sounds only
1: on a theremin. <laughs> it's terrifying. Well, that you got to watch that through a reverse theremin, where it translates audio into uh, a visual medium.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Uh, wow, this got real. It's very surreal, <laughs> quickly. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to to think about how many different variations this movie could have taken. Um, because when we were doing our, our research, I feel like. Every every bit I was finding was about changes in script through improvising, changes mm-hmm. in cast. Um, I don't usually do this, but I want to just present almost like a mini section of an alternative cast that we could have had. Um, yeah. People that were considered. So for Peter Venkman, Bill Murray's character, it was written for John Belushi. Um, Chevy Chase took a pass at it, um, but apparently the version he read was pretty different than what we ultimately got I heard Michael Keaton at one point even uh took a pass at it. Steve Gutenberg, uh the Tom goot. Hanks, the coot, the goot was considered Tom Hanks, um, which at that time would have yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and Robin Williams. Um, so wow. you think we got a lot of improvised lines now. Just imagine how many we could have had.
0: Yeah. And um, he was just yeah. really championing for the stay puff. He's just like, hear me out. What if he was blue? <laughs> what if he's the big blue? This thing quipping all throughout town. What? No.
1: Okay. Fine. Yeah. Creative been, differences. I feel like if uh, if Gozer was reading Robin Williams' mind, it would have been way crazier than Stay Puffed. Yep, yeah. Absolutely. So we got off easy. <laughs> um, and then for Egon, Christopher Walken that's a Walken walk-on oh, would yeah. have uh, potentially played Egon. Uh, also for consideration was John Lithgow, uh, Christopher Lloyd, and Jeff. Goldblum, but you know he had to save his science roles for yeah The Fly, Na- oh, and Jurassic Park. Way. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then uh, for Winston, Eddie Murphy was the first choice for right. when this was written, which makes sense with the kind of SNL alum casting pool that they had for a lot of this. Um, but then also, I thought this was interesting: Reginald VelJohnson, who. Still appears in the film, though, as a prison guard. Uh, And then for Tully, it was originally for John Candy, who wanted to do this with like a German accent and have these dogs and stuff. And they were like, you know what? That's just not really what – that's too much. It's not what we're doing. So um, he passed, and then his other SCTV uh, co-star, Rick Moranis, obviously took over. But Jay Leno also read for Tully, and how different would that have been? Yeah. And then uh for Janine the receptionist keeping it in the podcast family Sandra Bernhard who we just saw in The King of Comedy. You're uh, right. Yeah. And so that I mean I feel like she would have been great for that too. Well, I remember um, her from in my
0: childhood from Designing Women. Um, oh, because when you watch TV with your with, with your family, they they hold the remote and I was a big Designing Women fan. You don't need to explain it. That's all right. Uh, I just, because like, I've shared on the podcast, I mostly watched cartoons as a kid. Mm-hmm. Only deviation was when I was watching TV with my parents, and it
1: was mostly Designing Women. I don't watch TV often, but when I do, it's Designing Women. <laughs> but yeah, instead of Annie Potts, who we grew up with the voice of Annie Potts from Toy Story as Bo Peep, yeah, wow. it would have been really different with Sandra Bernhard. at the helm so it's it's really crazy to think of how different this movie really could have been even a different theme song the theme song is so iconic but Huey Lewis and the News passed on it uh, before Ray Parker Jr. took over and then there ended up being like a lawsuit between the two of them but yeah we even have alternate casting on the soundtrack so um, it's pretty interesting and yeah the original original plot of just thinking how out there it could have been being in the future it's like swat like suits instead of kind of the more homemade feel at times what we have now um slimer was known as onion head yeah
0: it's slimer was actually so he was originally called onion head but like never named Mm -hmm. um but slimer was what the fans called him Um, and that's what stuck
1: yeah there's one line in this movie where they say slimer but not about him just they refer to the ghost that way in general in one line and then yeah it it was the the animated show right the real ghostbusters is what really solidified it Mm -hmm. um yeah and and so all of these little differences uh and what i love is that the in the original script at the end of that movie the ghostbusters um like franchise out and have businesses across the united states mm-hmm. which uh yeah it's that seems like a, a natural progression but i love where they picked up where uh where we meet them because uh, ivan reitman was the one who really pushed for hey what if we walk this back and we see how these guys like actually become the ghostbusters and pushed for the origin story aspect of this mm-hmm. which I think is smart rather than just kind of forcing the concept Um, because in that original script too, it like starts with the Ecto one pulling out of the station and he was like, uh, maybe let's like be more gradual into it. So, um, Oh, and I thought this was interesting too. Another alternate casting was, uh, Gozer was originally going to be played by Paul Rubens, uh, who turned down, the role. Um, well, because the the character of Gozer was supposed to be the form of the architect of that building that they talk about. Oh, it was like crazy construction and they started this Gozer cult and everything. Right, right. And so he was gonna be that. And then when it became something else, they, they recast
0: yeah, I mean I grew up watching Ghostbusters. I can't like it's one of those movies that I've seen so often I can even point to the first time I watched it. But Um, I remember as a kid, my dad had this little dog statue. It was like a little bulldog. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say it was maybe two feet tall kind of thing. And it sat at the doorway of my door. And I was terrified of that thing. Like I had nightmares that came to life and like ate me. (laughs) Uh Um, I, and I was, and I, I don't know where that idea came from. And then I was rewatching Ghostbusters. And I was like, maybe this is where that came from. The idea that this dog like statue would come to life and consume me. Um, b- maybe this is where it comes from. But like, I, that was one of the biggest things that I like was connecting
1: the dots. I was like, maybe this is why I was afraid of that thing. Could be. Between that and Sandlot, you have a lot of reasons to be afraid <laughs> of dogs and Pagemaster, for being yep. honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But man, I, I really loved rewatching this
0: movie because it it is so fun and it's it still holds up. A lot of the special effects was from um, a member from the uh, Industrial Lights and Magic, uh, you know, team. He he was looking to leave and start his own company, but at the time, most of the studios were booked with you know working on Star Wars or Indiana Jones. Uh, and so a lot of the practical effects they had to do out of necessity. Mm -hmm. And I was just so impressed. Like the light the whole opening library scene is just amazing. Like I'm like, how did they how did they do any of this? How did they get all those cards to go up like that? They actually like those books transferring from shelf to shelf. I was just so impressed with the practical effects that breaking eggs breaking eggs like all of those things were just so impressive because you know it's now a novelty like Mm -hmm. so many times throughout this movie i was thinking man if they made this today i don't think they would go with practical effects unless someone just stood their ground and said we're doing this we're doing all of this in camera i don't care what it takes like even the earthquake thing of just like well the ground beneath them is crumbling (laughs) it was (laughs) like this is this is so much. And the Stay Puff. The Stay Puff. Stay Puff looks so real. Like, there are a couple of scenes where you can kind of see the green screen, but like, there were very few times where I was taken out because they did a whole miniature set. I watched this really cool behind the scenes uh, video talking about how to get them to be on a miniature set, they called up like all the Toys R Us's in the area <laughs> to buy this like one police car that was the right. I think like one eighth scale. So they and they painted them different colors to sell the look of the Stay Puff like walking down the street.
1: What, what I love about the Stay Puffed is that one, I didn't realize this uh, going through it, but it's just how how often the ads for Stay Puffed are thrown in throughout the movie. Yes. Um, including like a bag of them, a bag of marshmallows next to the eggs because um, you're looking at there. the eggs. But for the filming of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, uh, they had three suits, and each of them cost $20,000 a piece, and they destroyed all of them. Of course. It's a real Operation Dumbo Drop.
0: Yeah. (laughs) A a big thing that I really want everyone listening to really kind of grasp, this movie was made for $25 million. That budget was unheard of for a comedy at the time. Mm. Like. That At the time, this was, like, one of the most funded comedies. Um, And what they did with that, like, still, like, Dan Aykroyd's vision for this still wasn't that. It was still much larger than that. And what they were able to do to kind of, like, bridge the gap was really something unique. The thing I love most about rewatching Ghostbusters is realizing how this was like, an original idea. Like, it's yeah. not based off of anything. Dan Aykroyd actually pointed out how in another behind-the-scenes thing I was watching, they took the, you know, Abbott and Costello um, concept. Like, you know, Abbott and Costello, I just always imagined them with mummies or, like, comedians interacting with the supernatural and, like, these scarier environments and kind of brought it up to date. Mm -hmm. Um, As that, looking at that and even seeing that as a core inspiration really, like, just makes this movie feel more special because uh, they they just did it. Like, they, they, they took this really big, ambitious risk to make this movie that's now, like, so iconic that, you know, I, I can't even imagine anyone who wouldn't know who the Ghostbusters are, um, even though, even without, like, the 2016 reboot, people would still be aware of the Ghostbusters. And for a while... Growing up, I thought the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man was a real mascot. Oh uh, yeah,
1: it definitely seems that way,
0: right? But and yeah. that was also an original idea, and that was one of the few things from the original script and concept that actually made it to the final film. Yeah, he uh, said he
1: wanted to blend the Michelin Man with the Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah, mission accomplished. Yeah. yeah. Michelin man accomplished i didn't know this going into it that the ectomobile siren the ecto one siren that goes uh, uh off throughout the film is actually a leopard snarl that's what? been uh processed and and like pitch adjusted and everything but yeah it's uh that's a that's a big cat that so.
0: is bizarre yeah man so, we, I mean, we we could talk about this movie yeah. for hours. And we probably will, but we'll edit out what we can. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ricky?
1: There is no Ricky. Only Headcanon. I am the fuse lighter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Headcanon is a part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Now, Grayson, Mm -hmm. usually when headcanon pops in, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a really good thread to follow. And I think about it and then I just give myself a little bit of notes. Um, Yeah. I wrote maybe the most I've ever written for headcanon. Oh, wow. uh, And I'm going to try to condense it down as well as I can. Uh, But first, a little mini headcanon um, with our uh, lovely, talented actor, Reginald Val Johnson. Yes. Um, Headcanon, hard
1: averse because ghosts die hard i think I've yeah so that means he's, that. he's you know served and protected in three major cities mm-hmm. uh, LA New York and Chicago yep uh, yeah As and, days probably, go by. <laughs> and probably and uh, probably crossed paths with peck the red haired oh. you know, antagonist
0: yep ah oh, man so that that's my main uh, piece of headcanon Um, Next, I'm going to cite a British science fiction author uh, known as Arthur C. Clarke, who formulated three adages that are known as Clarke's Three Laws. One is when a distinguished but elderly scientist states that something is possible, he is almost certainly right. When he states that something is impossible, he is very probably wrong. Second, the only way of discovering the limits of the possible is to venture a little way past them into the impossible. And three, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Whoa. Technology? Magic? What you call magic, we call science. For the first oh. one. Um, <laughs> so, so the climax of Ghostbusters takes place on a rooftop with a mm-hmm. giant beam bursting into the sky and then, you know, stopping this very like oncoming doom. Uh, And they kept on saying all these names of these different people. um, And it sounded very alien to me. Yeah. To which my biggest piece of headcanon is that um, a, the, um, the ghost world, if you will, um, is the same for both humans and aliens. And, oh, the, okay. and the beings that they were like praising, like, you know, Thor is like a Norse. Is it Norse God? Yeah. Uh, Norse by Norse West. <laughs> Norse by- <laughs> Thank you. I love it. Uh, so he's a Norse God, but really he's like an alien that just, you know, yeah. people saw from Earth. So they, they would call these aliens these gods because they had different abilities, different kind of uh, strength, this, that, the other. Mm. But anyone who would have unfinished business as we concluded in our Casper uh, review would still be a ghost and have plans in the afterlife. Yeah. So all of this saying is that more than just opening up a portal to the ghost world, the, it, because of the spectral energy or whatever, they actually tapped into, like, the alien side of the ghost world. It's just, like, a realm that exists,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, like, I guess, more around whatever solar systems would be about. Uh, so, that's my biggest piece of headcanon. Second piece of headcanon is that in the Avengers, you know, that big beam that bursts into the sky... Happens on top of Avengers Tower, right? Yeah. I think that my headcan is that Tony Stark uh, was actually possessed by a ghost um, to build that tower and that structure, because no other structure would be able to handle that kind of like force or energy, except for the energy. Yeah, right. Yeah. So
1: my headcan is that Ghostbusters are part of the cinematic universe
0: phase four.
1: Yeah, well I mean Ray said he used to go to Camp Wakanda, so it's right, right. Okay, there. so I so I watched it with uh subtitles and Wakanda was spelled with a C. I was like yeah. Oh. Ho, 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 oh man. Yeah, uh, cuz no, it I translates it. to spirit water, I think or something like that. Uh Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I like that. That's great. Keep it. Keep it in the Marvel family. Oh yeah, coming soon to Disney Plus, <laughs> Ghostbusters. For my head canon, I've always been really interested in the character of Slimer. Uh, even as a kid, I had Slimer toys. I just thought, I thought he was a well-designed, if disgusting, character in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. And he uh, kind of serves as an unofficial mascot, other than the uh, like no ghosting symbol, but. Mm-hmm. So Slimer to me has always kind of been an enigma and uh, I was kind of going through some of the, the films, but also the animated series and even the comics to try to piece together who is Slimer? Where did he come from? Because I know during the production of Ghostbusters, um, sometimes uh, Dan Aykroyd would refer to Slimer as the ghost of John Belushi, um, especially Belushi's character in Animal House, uh, Blutarsky, Blutarski. Um, and so I was like, oh, that's, that's sweet. Uh, and it's, but it's also kind of sad, but within like the lore of Ghostbusters, like in this world, how, how could he connect? Who could he be? And there are a couple of different interpretations of it. So going back to the source material, let's say that in the Marvel UK comic, uh, the real Ghostbusters number 22, they explained that Slimer was King Remills, which is just Slimer backwards, uh, who was oh. a king. He was like a really overweight King. He died of heart failure. And that's just kind of the explanation. He was a King, uh, in the 2016 Ghostbusters film, colon answer the call, uh, they they say that Slimer was originally a gangster, like a mob boss who uh, oh. killed a restaurant waiter who got his order wrong. And so he went to jail and got executed. And so that's why he's the way he is. But what I thought was interesting is a line that I believe it's Egon says – Uh, Whenever Dana first comes into the station and they're trying to figure out like what Dana experienced in her refrigerator. And Egon says that it could be past life experience um, intruding on present time. And so that, that made me think about how could time connect to ghosts. Mm. And that brought me to the idea that what if Slimer is not a ghost from the past but a ghost from the future and is actually Ray stances, Dan Aykroyd's ghost. The idea here is that Ray has passed away in the future, but has somehow come back to where he's doing everything he can to get closer to the guys. And we have to make the assumption that when you become a ghost, you lose like the humanity part of yourself, but he's desperately trying to find that. Um, And so, I think that's why he knows where to be. He keeps finding them. They run into Slimer consistently more than any other ghost. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's also interesting that uh, Ray traditionally drives the Ecto-1 and on several occasions, Slimer has been known to take the Ecto-1 for joy rides. So Mm -hmm. they're both the drivers of the Ecto-1. They seem to have this bond, basically. And I just, I enjoyed the idea that that it's more of a um, a human connection of just Ray trying to get back to where they were in the past. So I could see I could see spinning off a whole thing about how you know. They they bring uh they bring Slimer back to life or fuse him with Ray or something like that to make mm-hmm. Slimer you know human again kind of like what they did in Casper which as we know exists in this world because of Stance's cameo right from Casper so mm-hmm. it's possible it could happen you just got to get Bill Pullman on the horn and um <laughs> what was also interesting too just from a an actor perspective uh. Is in the animated series of the real Ghostbusters, um, stance and slimer were both voiced by the same person who is Frank Welker. Um, nice. so performance-wise, it makes sense as well. I yeah. love it.
0: That's so good. Yeah. And and you know, it also incorporates his original vision of them going through different dimensions. Cause that's a big thing that I that also solidified my headcanon is that originally the ghostbusters travel to alternate dimensions he even says um uh what you just experienced was interdimensional i'm an interdimensional so it's it's not just like the ghost world i'm like but also aliens Mm -hmm. which also might even be time because of light years and whatnot yeah 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 that tracks now we're gonna to go to a part of the show where we like to talk about recasts and remakes.
1: Recasts. For
0: remake. If this movie were to be remade today, who would you cast? What'd the storyline be? Now, listen, listen, hey, comp, listen. We know we they remade it. They did the 2016 Ghostbusters. I still haven't seen it. Not really? from protests oh. or anything. It's just been like super busy. <laughs> this is super <laughs> Um, so if this movie, this specific Ghostbusters movie were to be remade today, uh, I am only going to, my recasting is going to have to do largely with, um, types and Mm -hmm. I want to, originally I only had one only one recast because i'm like i just want to see this person in this role more than anything else yeah uh but then i ended up just recasting the the main uh busted ghosties so the the one that i got started with which i wanted more than anything changed zero of the lines in place of rick moranis uh playing lewis tully i want toby Maguire to play (laughs) lewis tully It's just the way he was talking to Sigourney Weaver. (laughs) And I'm just like, I need to see Tobey Maguire do this. Yeah. I just need him doing that. And then I went on, um, just kind of going back from SNL or uh, comedy alum, uh, because Harold Ramis uh, really wrote the role Um, he's one of the writers of the movie, but he wrote himself in because he just felt that he was the best fit. He Mm -hmm. wasn't originally planning on being in the movie. Uh, that reminds me of another SNL alum who was a great writer, but not necessarily a performer. Um, John Mulaney, uh, as Spangler, I think would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and then I went on for Winston. (laughs) I would love to see. Like Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart or Lamorne Morris. Yeah. Um, He's good at playing Winston's. I mean, come on. It, mm-hmm. it would just be so perfect. And then I honestly think that Tina Fey or Amy Poehler would be a really great stance. Um, oh, yeah. Just for Dan Aykroyd's uh, character. But then it was really tough for Vinkman. I, I always get his name mixed up with the artist. Um, it's not Adam Levine. No, the comedian version of that name. The comedian
1: version of Adam Levine? Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> His name is uh-huh, Adam, Adam Devine. Adam Devine, yeah, from uh, Righteous Gemstones. Yes. Hey, yeah, Workaholics. Yes. That one episode of Arrested Development.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I think that he would really be a good Vinkman. I, I I would believe him in that role. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Ju- just getting a group of comedians um, in that I just think it would be uh, a ton of fun. Honestly, it took me a lot to not just recast all of the uh, the 2016 Ghostbusters. Because I'm like, I mean, they did a really good job just with the types. Like, I think that these would be all pe- great people. So, I'm not saying I wouldn't not cast
1: them. Yeah, but well, and it reinforces your Thor connection. So,
0: yeah. So that is my recasting. What you got, Grayson? Ooh, no, I take that back. Mm-hmm. Netflix original. Or Disney Plus original. <laughs> uh, I just think I want to see the Ghostbusters go on more adventures. Whether it's animated again, which went on again for seven years. Think about the merch. Uh, but I really think that as a series, either it is a another team, like a separate team than the main team. Uh, basically think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. except with Ghostbusters. Uh, it takes place in the universe, but you, they're dealing with other side mission uh, spectral encounters. Um, You could either make it like a teen show where it's just like teen Ghostbusters Um, or uh, it's just like uh, what they did with the Marvel Netflix Defenders universe where it's just like, okay, we're following these different side ripples of spectral cases that all have to do with people who are inspired by the Ghostbusters.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Tons of ways you can franchise this. And I mean, a lot of them have already been done uh, mm-hmm. with the, the sequels and the reboots and the games and the animated series. And uh, for the casting though, I took the approach of if Ghostbusters had never been made, this was right. a thing that was just written with this script, who would we get with today's actors to do it? And um, so for for Venkman for for Bill Murray's character, I had Joel McHale because uh, I think oh, he can do the sarcasm yeah, uh, absolutely. For for Ray's stance for Dan Aykroyd, I had Andy Samberg um, mostly nice. because of the enthusiasm. I think they both play enthusiasm really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for Winston, I had Craig Robinson uh, from <laughs> yes. uh, The yes. Office and um, some Brooklyn Nine Nine. Then for Egon, Danny Pudi. Uh, so also. Yes. From from Community, but mm-hmm. I think he could definitely do that. Which got me uh, in the mindset of Brie Larson mm-hmm. for uh, for Dana, for Sigourney Weaver's character. And then for Rick Moranis, um, for Tully, I had Joe Lotruglio, who is also from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, yeah! Yeah. Oh, uh, he's so great! And from Wet Hot American Summer, he just he's got that same style. And then for Janine, the receptionist, Rebel Wilson. Okay, uh, I think Chelsea Peretti great. was my uh, first choice,
0: only because you know she does that in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, that, I, I,
1: I love that. But I do think there are a bunch of casts that you could wholesale drop these into, kind of like what they did with the SNL cast. I mean, you can do it with Community. You can do it mm-hmm. with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, New Girl works. The one that would be really interesting would be uh, the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia cast. <sighs> and then you just have uh, <laughs> the you know, DeVito Danny DeVito Slimer. Slimer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah, I love it. He doesn't even I... float. He just runs around the city. Yeah. Maybe he plays a character that maybe he plays like a ghost uh, groupie. He wants to be a ghost. And so he like paints himself green. He's like, You're not a ghost. Get out of here. I could be your mascot. (laughs) Get out of here, Frank. I I love it. That's Um, so good. If they were to do, I mean, they are doing Ghostbusters 2020, and there's a lot of speculation on what that story is going to be. But um, I would love to see a sequel as well, uh, that has the original cast and the story is, uh, I mean, kind of hits too close to home in reality with Harold Ramis passing away, but it's a journey to find Egon and Egon's ghost. Mm. And so the remaining Ghostbusters can't really come to grips. They've, they've seen too much of the afterlife to just say he's gone, you know? Um, yeah. And so I think they would uh, have this journey to try to bring him back. And I, I think ultimately the message there would be you have to let go. And I think I think they would be able to pull that off and being like, I had my time here, I did what I wanted to do, and now please let me go. Um, the ghosts that we see are just the tip of the iceberg to what the afterlife has to offer. I think there's like a lot of really heartfelt moments that could be balanced out with some really fun hijinks of an older generation of Ghostbusters. So uh okay. yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with Ghostbusters 2020. Um, it it seems like it will be more a direct sequel than a reboot. So uh yeah, we'll just we'll just have to see. All right. Now we're going to go into our final segment where we give you our reasons
0: to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend the original, the real Oh, sorry. That's a different thing. Uh, why would you recommend the original 1984
1: Ghostbusters movie? So I'd recommend Ghostbusters because, well, one, it's it's a classic. So if you enjoy films, as I think is the, just the common assumption uh, on, on the podcast, if you like movies and haven't seen Ghostbusters, it, it is literally in the book of 1001 movies you must see before you die. So yeah. if that doesn't tell you something see this and then the other thousand. Um, I recommend this though, because it really is uh, an original idea. It's not based on anything else. It is, it is from their brains and they made it a reality and it's a fun idea. And I think that is part of the brilliance of this movie is the concept is not hard to understand. And it's one of those, like the brilliance is in how simple and just clean it is. And, it just allows the characters to shine through and they can play with that idea and have fun. And that's really the heart of this is it's a bunch of friends who are also coworkers. Oh, who also fight paranormal beings. And uh, yeah, it, it's just got amazing performances, uh, really organic improvised moments, but there's a reason that 35 years later, it is still considered one of the greatest comedies and has multiple lines of dialogue and like these lists of top hundred movie li- like it's just that kind of special uh, time capsule film to to miss it would be a shame. I would say that if you went through your life and you didn't see Ghostbusters and then heaven forbid you died. You'd probably come back with the unfinished business of having to see Ghostbusters. So just cut out all that middle stuff and see Ghostbusters (laughs) so you can rest in peace. Oh, that's really good. That's a solid recommendation.
0: Oh, yeah. I I would recommend Ghostbusters because even if you have already seen it and you haven't seen it like recently, it it rewatches so well because it holds up well over time. It's still funny, but Mm -hmm. also the, it's very difficult for movies to balance kind of like the horror movie genre with comedy. Um, anytime like you have a straight comedy, um, sometimes the risks, uh, don't feel as real, even when it's like action comedy, that sort of thing. Um, But this does like everything feels real, even though it is a comedy. Um, And it's I think it's a special movie. It's a special movie that allows you to like really see what I think movies can be, um, which is imagining something that a studio would say is undoable uh but getting down to a point where it's like yeah like not this thing they didn't set out for ghostbusters to be this big franchise that it has now become um or for that little ghost stopper symbol to be as universal as superman basically like Mm -hmm. across the world people know about ghostbusters um and and ultimately i think you should watch ghostbusters because they bust right through your heart and, uh, and make you feel real good because busted makes you feel good. And that is our review of the 1984 movie Ghostbusters. Cause it's cleaner. Uh, let us know what you remember about Ghostbusters on our social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at flashback flicks and it would mean a lot to us. If you could leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice, uh, on a scale of one to five busted ghosts, what, oh, actually no better than that. On a scale of one to five slimers, mm-hmm. um, how would you rate this podcast? One slimer is, you know, it's just sticky and inconvenient. Yeah, thinking you miss
1: it. Yeah. Right.
0: Five, I mean, you can start a ghost busting business with five yeah. and pay off that third mortgage that
1: everyone definitely mm-hmm. has. In hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Mhm.
0: And thank you so much for tuning in with us for season 5. We if this is your first time listening, we have over 100 uh movies that we have reviewed, so you can take a listen and yeah. listen to us review a bunch of other movies getting close to 200 oh you're right we absolutely we yeah. really are oh man that's so exciting it's so bizarre that we've been doing it for this long it's awesome so make sure you subscribe and be sure to tune in next time right here on the flashback flicks retro movie podcast until then remember to be kind and rewind